the first reading this morning is taken from Hebrews chapter 11, and you'll find it on page 1144. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, beginning at verse 29, going through to chapter 12, verse 2. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched round them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be, re be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. If you are able, would you please stand for the gospel? <clears throat> and the gospel according to Luke is Luke chapter 12, found on page 987. It's Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 49. In this first section, 
Jesus is talking directly with his, his disciples. If we go back to verse 22, and then over the page, he then turns to speak to the crowd. <coughs> I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wished it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, <clears throat> there will be five in one family, divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. <coughs> and, when you, and when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? This is the gospel of the Lord. I'm quite an outgoing person, generally. And I like to think that I'm pretty open about how I'm feeling. I've been quite surprised since I got married about eight years ago about how easy it can be to avoid talking about things that worry me the most. For me, one of those things has been thinking about money. I don't know if we've got the next slide. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone's seen the M-word adverts by Lords Bankley on the television at the moment, um, where there's couples or family groups, maybe even friends, sat perhaps around a table talking, and someone has obviously said to them something about money, and they go, mm, don't, don't really talk about that very much, trying to avoid the subject. It's like a conversation killer. And money, like a few other things in life, can be real taboos to talk about, can't they? They can be that kind of thing that is that elephant in the room that you can kind of sit there for a whole evening with your partner on opposite sofas and, and t watch television or look at your phone, maybe talk about all those tiny little things that fit in every other space, but you don't talk about that big silent thing that's sitting there, probably for a number of reasons. Maybe we're, we're scared of conflict. Maybe we're worried that someone's going to get hurt. It's a difficult subject to bring up, and so... We choose not to. And actually, a lot of resentment and problems can fester, a lot of it imaginary, but we just kind of let that build up and build up to the point it becomes a big problem and even harder to talk about. Now, Jesus says in today's reading from Luke that he is going to bring fire. I wonder what that does to the elephant in the room. When I first read today's passage, I found it a bit tricky. And 
particularly the bit where it talks about bringing division. So I turn to the message version, which for the little couple of verses where it talks about division, it says, do you think I come to smooth things out and to make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and confront. I think that says a lot about our elephant in the room and a lot about our inbuilt taboos and values. These situations can only ever really get better when we do confront them. It may cause hurt and division, but only through honest discussion and being brave can we really start to harness those elephants and to move to a place of true healing. If we move to our next slide, and I want to start thinking about what Jesus says in the second passage um, about our world. It's not that clear, but it's quite a dark picture, and it's kind of showing clouds gathering and a bit of a lightning fork. Um, but the second section of Luke talks about predicting the weather. Jesus says, yeah, you know, when the wind blows in a certain direction, it's going to be warm. And when it's, uh, the clouds start to, to, to gather, you know that it's going to rain. You can predict this weather, but how come you can't predict these current times? Now, Jesus was talking about that time when he was on earth. He was he was talking about his death and resurrection and that people just didn't get it. They weren't understanding it. They couldn't, couldn't get their heads around what was going on and how significant those times were. Luke wrote the gospel um, at a difficult time for the early church, around 60 AD, for anyone who knows about dates of things happened in the Bible, the Christians, the early Christians, were fairly imminently expected Jesus to return. But he hadn't. And people were being persecuted and some people had been killed. So there was quite a lot of frustration. Not long after Luke was written, it felt there was an, a growth in that level of persecution. And within a decade... Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. Christians were spread far and wide across the world. Hope must have felt lost, persecution and that terrible time. The Christian message, the good news, was spread further and wider than it probably would have been if that had not have happened. Today, Perhaps things can feel a bit uneasy too. There's quite a lot of division in the world, isn't there? And maybe there are parallels that can be drawn. But it's funny how looking at the news with your children can kind of change the way things go and, and seeing things through children's perspective. I don't know if you've got the next slide available. Hopefully it's a bit clearer. I don't know if anyone saw this guy on the news this week. Um, he's a paleontologist in the Wyoming desert um, where they've discovered a huge haul of dinosaur bones. Now, my four-year-old son loves dinosaurs. 
and he hates news. My daughter had news round on, trying to pretend to be a big girl and sort of saying, look at me, I'm watching the news. And the next thing I knew, my son was the one that was sitting transfixed in front of the television, his mind completely blown by this discovery that they've called Mission Jurassic, where they found hundreds, possibly thousands of dinosaur bones that have got log jammed in a river, um, and they're kind of piecing together what's happened, and potentially there, will be some, there may be some new dinosaurs discovered. He ended up having a whole grown-up BBC News article read to him as his bedtime story that night because he was so fascinated about it. Um, and it's funny how I've had to see the whole world in a whole different way because of him. I spent my, we, my Dorset camping trip that I do every year to the Jurassic Coast doing fossil hunting, which I've never done before. But when I think about fossils and dinosaurs and, and those things that were happening in my life this week, um, and think about it, particularly in relation to this reading where Jesus talks about time. All along, while Jesus walked the earth and way before, as people have fought, feared, fled and fed throughout history, this history has been wrapped up, sleeping under the current ground where we tread our God is far greater than the perception and understanding of time that we have. He holds time in his hands. Time that we fail miserably to interpret, understand and get the bigger picture of. On the subject of time, if we think about the amazing reading that we got from Hebrews today, where there are many incredible people who have gone before us throughout history, throughout time. Regular people who have done amazing things and faced huge obstacles by walking faithfully and taking their turn. However, God's story and that history isn't over. We have our Bible, some of us have them in our hands it has an Old Testament and a New Testament that we're familiar with. We also know that how it ends. We know that Jesus will come again and there will be a victory. But if we think of God's story like a play, there's a third act that's not currently written down. That's us. Me and you in the here and now. God entrusts us, each one of us, to step out in faith, just like Rahab, David, Gideon, Daniel, and all the other characters from the Bible that we know. The heroes of Hebrews are cheering us on, waiting for us before the whole complete story can be set in place. So let's not sit on the fence. Let's be bold and confront our unspoken elephants in the room with integrity and openness. Let us prayerfully discern our place in God's world right now. 
what we should stand out for and what we can physically do to restore this world with God's great love. Taking our place in the bigger picture. We'll move on to our final slide. Let's focus on Jesus. Yes, Jesus, who we do know, did face the baptism which distressed him so much to think about in Luke's gospel. The baptism of the cross. So that the author of Hebrews was able to write with a burning passion, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy sent before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right-hand side of the throne of God. May the fire that Jesus ignited fill our hearts and lives and lead each of us to step out with faith, faith and perseverance in whatever lies ahead.